We're going to turn to Mark chapter 1. And I don't know what page that is in our green Bibles. But Mark chapter 1, verse 21. So this comes in the order of Jesus has been commissioned by God and through his baptism. He's also declared at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, he says, the time has been fulfilled. The time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And I think that every story that we read from the Gospel of Mark, we need to have those words in our mind. We have to read those words first before we read any story in the Gospel of Mark. So Jesus is declared that this is his mission, that he has come with the good news. He invites people to repentance. He helps, he invites them to understand and to see the way in which the kingdom of God is here among us, and that the time that he has planned has come to be. <coughs> Sorry. He's also been driven out into the wilderness and tempted by the evil one and withstood that temptation and he's also called his disciples and he's called his disciples to him and now they're going to learn from him how they ought to believe and what their ministry will be and the first thing that happens after they called they are called to follow after him is where we pick up the story so Mark chapter 1, verse 21. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. They, that means those gathered in the synagogue, were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. So it's Sabbath, and what does Jesus do? He takes his followers to church, an act that's weekly and regular, but it's profound in what happens. Jesus takes his followers to the synagogue, which is their version of what we do here on Sunday morning, and he begins to teach, and the people there hear something that they have never heard before. The people there have an encounter, and they don't know it, but they have an encounter with the living God who is speaking truth as they have never heard it before, who is speaking truth because he is truth. 
He is the way. He is the life. And so as he begins to speak, they are amazed because they know what they are encountering is something that is striking a chord and going deeper and penetrating into their hearts and souls in a way that no other teacher ever has. Jesus is teaching. And with his teaching, with his declaration of what is true, there is among them one, at least one, who has some things in him that do not belong. And when that thing that does not belong hears the truth from the powerful lips of Jesus, it becomes very uncomfortable and afraid. When Jesus confronts with the truth the unclean spirits in the room, it is the spirits who cower and fear and try to run away. Jesus is teaching and proclaiming the good news of the gospel. And it is the unclean spirit that cries out, what have you to do with us? Have you come to destroy us? It is not the man who speaks those words, but it is the unclean spirit within him that calls out in fear. Because here's the thing. In the Old Testament, what it meant to be unclean was that it could not be in the presence of the divine. Whatever was unclean was something that did not fit within the character of who God was. This is the whole basis of the holiness code in the Old Testament. So things that spoke or symbolized or went against the message of life, of purity, of holiness and forgiveness and love, those things did not belong in the presence of God because those things were not holy like God was holy. It's the reason why there's this whole set of rules about who can go into the presence of the Holy of Holies in the, in the Old Testament temple. There's a reason why women had to go outside of the camp during their cycles because they were not carrying life. It was this missed opportunity of life coming into the world, and God is a God of life. And so if they weren't pregnant, they weren't going to be bringing life into the world, and so they needed to mark that this was not something of God, this little death that was being experienced or a cut in skin, or somebody who had a skin disease, because their skin was not whole, they had to step outside of the camp until they were healed up, because their cut marked a lack of wholeness, and it symbolized that something was not in the presence, uh, like not that the person was no longer in the presence of God, but the symbolic message of not being whole did not image God in the community. And so to be unclean is to have something that does not belong in the presence of God because it does not match the character of God. And so here this unclean spirit says, what have you to do with us? You're not supposed to be around us. We've had free reign for a while here among the people because they have been avoiding being in your presence. What are you doing? You're the Holy One, Jesus. You're not supposed to be here. 
they recognize in Jesus a threat to their power and their hold over humankind. And this is the beginning of the change in the way that God interacts with his people. This is the moment where God shows that he has come to confront all of the things that seek to control us, that he has come to confront all of the things that would try to keep us away from the presence of God, all of the things that are not of him. And it all begins as Jesus is teaching the word to them, as they encounter the truth in them. Now, the text is a little bit misleading when it says, just then a man with an unclean spirit was there. It gives you this idea that he, like, walked in in the middle of a service. But the word that is translated as just then is this very important word that's used in the Gospel of Mark that usually gets translated as the word immediately. Immediately, immediately, immediately. If you read the, and listened to the Gospel of Mark last fall, you heard it over and over and over again. This idea that the, te- the time is now. The kingdom of God is near. Jesus is up to stuff. He's confronting. He's powerful. He's active. And his presence brings these things. It's the same word that's used in this text to talk about the Sabbath coming. So it's like Jesus shows up, and it's Sabbath. Jesus is there, and this man with an unclean spirit is making himself known. And so what I invite you to see in this story is that this is somebody who is probably there at the synagogue week after week after week. Because each of us has things inside of us that do not belong to God. Each of us have things inside of us that are unclean, patterns of behavior. And we, even, we can even use the language of spirit to talk about them. A spirit of hostility a spirit of distrust, a spirit of worry, a spirit of, vulner- of, a, of a fear of vulnerability and a, a seeking of independence in all things, a spirit of hatred, a spirit of a lack of confidence in ourselves and knowing that we are God's beloved, so a spirit of shame. All of these things are not what God has given to his people. All of these things are things that speak to us in the back of our minds about why we shouldn't belong or guide us in our actions and our actions towards others. And many of these things have been invited in to us by our own sins and by the sins that we have experienced at the hands of others because many of these things are habits and behaviors and ideas that we have developed over time because we have not experienced the healing of God so an unclean spirit is not something that we have to be afraid of but it is it is something that God knows is present The language of cleanse, oh, cleanse me from my sins. Make me pure and whole again. These things that keep us from truly living the life that God would like us to live. Because we respond not in the spirit of freedom, but by the chains that they have caught us in. 
the ways that we have been shaped to believe and to act in our families, our churches, by our experiences. And Jesus comes to confront all of those things and turns the way that the evil one has been working on its head, thinking that he could have free reign because those things did not belong in the presence of God, but in Jesus, when God comes to be among us and with us and to identify with us, he says, I am not afraid, and you do not belong. So shut up and get out of my people. That's a better translation. But sternly rebuked, like, I don't have time for you, Jesus says. And they don't either. So get out. Because I have come with the good news. People repent and believe that the kingdom of God and a new way of living is here. Now I have friends and colleagues who have gone through this kind of cleansing through prayer. And I have had friends and colleagues and experience of people who have gone through this kind of cleansing through the hard work of something like faith walking where we dig into these spirits of the ages that have come and try to guide us away from the way of Jesus that we see in the living word and hear each week preached to us. And both of them at their core rely on the work of the Holy Spirit to continue to deliver the truth with the authority of Jesus. But friends... Like it was for this man in the temple, it is not easy and it is not pretty to go through such work. Jesus says, get out, and it puts up a fight. Remember last week when we talked about how uh, John Calvin, and when he talked about the storms inside of us that make us doubt and have uncertainty and how hard it is and how actually impossible it is for us to get past everything in our life in such a way that the evil one can't use it and bring it back. Remember that temptation that's present? Jesus knows that. And so there is a finality to his work of healing, but there continues to be that ripple effect that makes us rely on God. There continues to be the effects of those patterns of behavior that we have to go clean up and try new ways and discover a new identity and pattern of behavior as we are cleansed from these unclean spirits of the time, we must find the Holy Spirit's presence so that we may truly live in God our Father's design for us. Because Jesus says, get out. The time has come. And he does so with authority, and he continues to do that work with us. The author, Ursula Le Guin, passed away this week, and she wrote a number of works, and I haven't read any of them, but this one quote in particular really stuck out to me <coughs> this week. And I don't know if I've got it exactly right, but the idea 
is that people who deny the existence of dragons are usually consumed by them from within. People who deny the existence of these spirits and these patterns of behavior that are detrimental to our life, period, are usually consumed by those spirits. We see this so clearly when we talk about the spirit of addiction and all the work that goes in to bring healing and cleansing for people through that hard-fought daily process. And if we deny those existences, it is not the Spirit of God that will consume us with its purifying fire. But it is the Spirit that does not belong to him. So hear the good news. Every week when we gather here in this place is an invitation to hear and to have your unclean spirits confronted by Jesus. As his truth is proclaimed. Every month when we gather together for this meal, we are celebrating the authority that Jesus has to bring such healing through the work of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes those actions are miraculous and in the moment, and sometimes they are a journey that is ugly and hard and full of tries begins. But in the same way that Jesus says, get out, because the kingdom of God is here, he continues to say that the kingdom of the evil one is coming to an end because the kingdom of God is being established in this place. And so every time we celebrate this meal together, we are remembering the authority and the power of our God to do this very work. So anytime you have been here on a Sunday morning and you have gotten a little squirmy as you have listened, anytime you have been here on a Sunday morning and you have wanted to leave, and I have seen some of you leave, there have been times during the week that I have wanted to leave when encountering a text. You are invited to wonder whether or not that is an unclean spirit that Jesus is trying to say, get out to. And by coming each week, you are inviting that work of God into your life. And this is the manifold grace of God, that that man probably was somebody who had been there every week and would continue to be there every week. And God would continue, if he had not had that moment of healing, he might not have ever had that. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Like the manifold grace of God is that he does want these things for us, but they keep being in us. And he loves us just the same. Because Jesus is not afraid to be in the presence of a power that not as strong as he is. Jesus is not afraid to confront and be present to with compassion and love and kindness those things that do not belong in his presence. Because Jesus has come to be and give the good news, which is that the kingdom of God is near. Amen? 
So let us celebrate this meal with the confidence and with the experience of knowing that in this meal we are given the strength of the Almighty One. That in this meal we are nourished and called to a life with God that models and reflects the work of the Holy Spirit in us, that calls us to the work of reconciliation and wholeness that Jesus himself modeled. With these, with these words, our Lord commands all believers to eat this broken bread and to drink this cup. In true faith and in the confident hope of God's return in glory. In the supper, God declares to us that our sins have been completely forgiven through the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which he himself finished on the cross once for all. He also declares to us that the Holy Spirit grafts us, unites us into Christ with who his very body is now in heaven and at the right hand of the Father, where he wants us to worship him. So now let us hear the story of how this sacrament began. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he sat at supper with his disciples. And while they were eating, he took a piece of bread and said a blessing and broke it, and gave it to them with these words, This is my body. It is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Later, he took the cup, saying, This cup is God's covenant sealed with my blood. Drink from it, all of you to remember me. And so now following Jesus' example and command, we take this bread and this cup, the ordinary things of the world, which Christ will use for extraordinary purposes. And as he said before sharing, he said a prayer before sharing, we join our hearts to say a prayer too. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we are thankful. We are full of praise as we remember all your good works. For your work, God, in creation and providence and covenant history. For the witness of the prophets. For God's steadfast love in spite of our failure. For the ultimate gift of Jesus Christ, his birth, life, ministry, suffering, death, resurrection, ascension, his present intercession for us and the promise of his coming again, as well as the gift of this sacrament, which Christ himself instituted. The Holy Spirit, we call upon to lift all who share in this feast into Christ's presence, to make the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup a participation in the body and blood and power of Jesus Christ to unite us in communion with the risen Christ, with all God's people in heaven and on earth, and to nourish us with the body of Christ so that we may mature into the fullness of Christ, able to keep faithful as Christ's body here on earth, representing Christ in witness and ministry in the world, in anticipation of the fulfillment of the kingdom that he proclaimed. And we do so praying as Jesus taught us to pray together.
our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sin as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you to say uh, what we believe in this early church proclamation. Uh, Repeat after me. Christ has died. Christ has risen. And Christ will come again. So if you believe those words, and if you believe uh, that we as the congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ have been prepared this meal by God himself as a way to practice our love for him and trust in him for our salvation, then you are welcome to come to this table. For it is Christ who meets us here. I'll invite the, those who will be serving to come forward. So as we pass the bread, we say to one another, the body of Christ given for you.